Welcome to Heart to Heart with Michael, featuring your host, Michael Lieben. Our program is designed to empower the bereaved community with information and stories from those who have suffered the most terrible loss. Michael Lieben, himself a bereaved father, will be meeting with people from around the world to share and to draw hope from their experiences. And now, here is Michael Lieben. Welcome, friends, to the second episode of the first season of Heart to Heart with Michael, a program for the bereaved community. Our purpose is to empower bereaved members of our community with resources, support, and advocacy information. Today's show is Living After Death, Rainbow Babies, and Healing. Rainbow babies are babies who are conceived after families have experienced a stillbirth or after a baby has died. We will discuss the process one woman went through to have her own rainbow baby, We will share who is helping her and how others who have lost a baby might find hope in giving birth to a healthy baby. Life gets a lot more complicated once you lose a baby. Pregnancy is no longer the breezy affair that it might have been before. We parents have had the blinders removed from our eyes. Life has brought it home to us that not every pregnancy ends with a perfectly healthy child. There is more to worry about than the sex of our baby or if the baby should be breastfed. That is why our topic today, Living After Death, Rainbow Babies and Healing, is so important. Here with us today to discuss this topic is our guest, Sherry Turner. Sherry is 47 and lost her firstborn son, William Thomas Turner, 19 years ago to hypoplastic left heart syndrome when he was 10 days old. After her son's death in 1997, Sherry organized the first CHD Awareness Day in Massachusetts on February 14th of 2000 at Children's Hospital in Boston. After having organized several annual CHD Awareness Days in Massachusetts, Sherry took a long hiatus to continue her family. She was beginning a nonprofit called the Massachusetts Heart Coalition when her second child, Allison Nicole Turner, was born in 1999. Christopher Robert followed in 2003 and Daniel Alexander in 2005. Raising her young family has been her focus for the last several years and has been instrumental in her healing journey. As her children have grown, they have helped coordinate efforts to recognize the hard work of the staff of the Pediatric Cardiology Unit of Children's Hospital of Boston each year on February 14th. Well, Sherry, thank you very much for coming on to Heart to Heart with Michael. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. It's really very nice for you to be here, and we'll talk more about that later, but let's just get right to it. I know that losing Thomas was extremely difficult for you. So what were the things you did to cope? How did you get on during your initial grieving period? Well, initially, I had to lean pretty hard on the people around me. It was a shocking uh, diagnosis and uh, occurrence, and as I'm sure you can understand, but I had a lot of supportive family members. Um, my my husband's parents were terrific. His brothers were terrific, um, and um, my own siblings were terrific. Having them around. Um, willing to listen, willing to try and be there for me was was a big help. You have a very large family then, or so it sounds. I'm one of six children, uh-huh. and um, my husband has two two siblings. So initially, then it's very important to have your family in front. I would I would assume then that people who have smaller families really have to reach out to friends. One of the things you have to guard against is feeling. Um, reluctant to share about what you're going through, your first impulse is to try and protect everybody else. 
Um, you don't want other people to be upset. You don't want to do things to make them cry. Uh, so um, often you think sharing what you're going through might do that, and you don't want to cause pain to anybody else. But it's really important for you to let it out and to find somebody that you can talk to. So, you know, I found that I, it was very easy for me to, to, to do that. And, and I wasn't concerned with protecting anyone outside my family. Uh, and I was concerned with being big for them and brave for them. Was that, was that part of this for you? It was part of it. Uh, there were, um, there were people telling me that, well, you can have another, or, you know, maybe God knew there was a reason they shouldn't be there. Um, any number of things. And, it's very easy to get to feeling like maybe it'd be better if you didn't talk about it. How did you feel when people came up with their advice and told you what God was thinking? Uh, I was very frustrated with that and felt that they couldn't possibly know the mind of God. I mean, I don't know mm -hmm. the mind of God. Mm -hmm. And um, most of what they tried to say to make me feel better often made me feel worse. And I mean, this is referring to people outside of my direct family. Yeah, for sure. And but these are the people who had advice at the ready at a snap of a finger. They knew what to say. Right. And it was, it was too easy um, to fall into platitudes and cliches. And most of them are, are I'm sure you understand, yeah. um, baloney. Um, so that, That's very true. If all of that was the stuff that people were throwing at you, mm -hmm. what are the real emotions and the real things that you did have to struggle with? And not including the stuff that people were sort of loading on top. Well, um, my uh, the minister who married us helped me to deal with being angry. I was very angry with God when this happened because, mm -hmm. you know, my faith had been an important part of my life up mm -hmm. until that point. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe I was naive in my faith at the time, but I felt like I should have been forewarned. Um, there should have been some kind of uh, hint from from God that this was coming. Losing a child is, you know, in my opinion, one of the most horrible things you can go through. And, you know, a loving God should, in my opinion, have said something to me. Um, but my uh, the minister who married us, uh, his name is Mike, he was very good about accepting the fact that I was angry. Mm -hmm. And he made a point to tell me that anger is still a relationship with God. That's an interesting point because I always thought that if something like that were to happen to me, I would be angry. This would be the moment I would break with God. And in fact, I didn't. I can't speak much to my relationship with him personally. I don't know. But I, I found that I became much more accepting. And questions of faith are... You know, I, I would never tell anybody what, what, what faith is, but um, my son would, would tell me, you don't have any faith. She's going to get better. And when I said that my faith was that things tend to work out the way they should, that's when I began to realize that acceptance was okay and that I could still have a relationship and, with God and still somehow keep going. Your thoughts? Um, well, I, I think um, I tend to now – Mm -hmm. agree more along with you along the lines of um, you, having faith in the work out the way they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard for me to choke down supposed to, though. That, that mm -hmm. I 
to admit is a, a very hard concept for me. Um, Except that, because yeah. I don't, um, I don't see um, our lives as scripted. Um, I see them as more. You choose your path. So, telling me supposed to is sort of predestination, and uh, I'm not really with that. I hear that. So let me ask you something else then, in along the lines of of choosing your own path. You had Allison uh, two years after losing Thomas. Did you want to get pregnant right away? Uh, were you concerned? Or when did you feel that you were ready really to go on and try to have another child? That's something that I think um, we allowed to happen naturally in that we didn't exactly decide right away we wanted to have another child. Um, it was unbearable for me to be around babies uh, initially. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't cope with it, but I was very close with my husband. He was very supportive and he shared his grief with me. Mm -hmm. We didn't close each other out. Um, and I think the pregnancy was a result of that, uh, closeness and desire to stick together because you hear a lot about, you know, people splitting up over, you know, losing children. And I didn't want that to happen to us. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, we have to take a short break here. So first of all, thank you very much for for opening up and and sharing these emotions with us because I know how difficult it can be. It's time for a commercial break. Please don't go far. Next, we'll turn to your growing family and how celebrating each new rainbow baby took you through the healing process. Hi, I'm John Montez of NBC's hit a cappella show, The Sing-Off. In acapella music, it takes a team to create a sound that many will enjoy, just like it'll take a team to help my good friend Miles Schweitzer, an HLHS survivor. Let's help Miles fulfill his dream and make a big enough sound to bring awareness to congenital heart disease. Please visit him at GoFundMe.com backwards slash The Miles Project. Miles with the Y. Again, that's GoFundMe.com The Miles Project. This is from Miles. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Michael. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our program, please send an email to Michael Lieben at michael at hearttoheartwithmichael.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Michael. Welcome back to Heart to Heart with Michael. Today we're talking about rainbow babies. And our guest today is Sherry, who herself has raised a large family after her personal tragedy. So let me ask you, Sherry, when you decided to have another baby, were you worried that Thomas's CHDs were hereditary? Did you take any special precautions this time, or did you go see a specialist? I was worried about whether or not they were hereditary. Um, they didn't show up anywhere in my family, but I don't know. I thought maybe it might be recessive. But even with that, I... Um, didn't really take any other precautions other than seeing a high-risk specialist OB-GYN to follow the pregnancy. Um, I didn't see a, a, a geneticist or anything like that because mm-hmm. I felt it wouldn't change my mind about having children, whether or not those conditions were present. But did you think that maybe that kind of foreknowledge would be helpful in preparing if, for example, you were about to have a child who was perhaps again with another CHD? Yes, foreknowledge would be helpful, um, and we did get a uh, what's called a CVS chorionic villi mm-hmm. sampling. I think is what is, what, and um, there were some concerns while I was pregnant, and we were preparing ourselves possibly to have a child with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. um, but that turned out thankfully not to be the case. 
And it wouldn't have changed my mind again about whether or not to continue a pregnancy. So I, you know, other than other than preparing to have the have somebody in the home that had medical issues, um, it wouldn't have changed a thing for me. That's the thing that people often ask me was, did you know in advance? And I said, well, A, I wouldn't have changed my mind. And B, the only thing that I could have, you know, had by knowing anything in advance would be, of course, preparing myself mentally or, or physically if we needed things around the house. But I, I certainly understand that. And I, and I think that's a very, in some sense, a very brave attitude because a lot of people would be scared to, to continue. But let me ask you about your second pregnancy and how you felt after Allison was born. Well, um, I was very stressed out during the pregnancy uh, because, as I mentioned earlier, they told me that she might have Down syndrome, and yeah. I was, you know, concerned that that might also mean heart problems because many children with Down syndrome also yeah. have heart problems. She is ideal. She's a she's a terrific kid. She's perfectly physically healthy. She's a straight A student. She's the light of my life. Um, I was worried initially when she was born because she came out gray and limp Mm -hmm. uh, and I had a moment of panic but uh, once they cleared her lungs and did what they needed to do she was fine and it's been nothing but happiness since as far as I'm concerned with her are her triumphs extra extra big extra large is something about her that just larger than life because of her position in the family you know, I never really thought about it before, but I now that you bring it up, yes, I do think so. Um, it's almost like a um, uh, vindication of me as a mother. Mm. I mean, just because after I had Thomas, I was worried that I couldn't have mm-hmm. healthy children. Um, and uh, part of me wondered if it would be wise to continue having kids because I didn't want to bring children into the world that would suffer um Mm -hmm. but her birth and the way she's developed as a as a person um has made me feel like the decision to continue was absolutely justified and um i couldn't have been happier with the way things turned out that's interesting because i hadn't really thought of it in, in those terms Probably because we had healthy children before we had Leo, so I hadn't I hadn't thought about that as in terms of in terms of vindication, but I think that's really important because I think a lot of people are going to face that and they're going to have to go over that first hurdle more than you know anybody ever thought about, and I think that's really that's really a fine way to look at it. Let me go on and tell us about the heart health of your other rainbow babies, and did you ever have any scary moments regarding their health, and how is everybody doing now? Well. Um the heart health of my boys is also quite healthy, um, and uh, I've had scares, but they're more like normal scares. My, my. What's a normal son, scare? My, my son Christopher is a little accident prone. Uh, mm-hmm. Not too bad, but he's done things that uh, kids do. We we bought him for his sixth birthday a boy scout knife and we told him never to use it without mom and dad right there with him i walked out of the room Naturally. and he immediately used it <laughs> and we went to the emergency room <laughs> for christmas so you know um you know it it worked out fine um but you know that's that's those are the sorts of things that happen now but i, I don't really have any health concerns with them well, uh, the, you know the reason i giggle a little bit 
doesn't it feel great to have normal concerns that everybody else has? Yes. Yes. It, it, uh, it actually kind of eases me a little bit, you know, and not that I want him to get hurt, obviously. No, of course not. But, but when he does something like that, um, I, it brings me back to earth and, you know, cause I can sometimes get into thinking about where would Thomas have been and what would we have been dealing with had he lived and, you know, I can kind of let my mind run away with that. And when, when he does something like that, uh, he meaning Christopher, um, it sort of, um, grounds me and sort of reminds me that, you know, you have these children too. I I totally get that. You know, Liel was also autistic and the day I told her to shut up, I felt really good because that was something (laughs) so normal. (laughs) Just be quiet. (laughs) Anyway, we have to go here and uh, take a a break for another commercial. And I know that many families are going to be able to relate to your story. And we'll be gaining strength from the sharing between us. And it's a pleasure to hear that things can work out. So in our final segment, I'd like to talk to you about how volunteerism and advocacy has allowed your heart healing to continue. And that story when we come back. When I saw so many of these CHG groups growing, I found family just ready to join me. Anyone who is a member of the adult congenital heart defect community can be a guest on our show. We have a great year planned and we look forward to sharing other interesting topics. Heart to Heart with Nicole and David serving the ACHD community Wednesdays at noon Eastern. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Michael. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Michael's program, please email him at michael at hearttoheartwithmichael.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Heart to Heart with Michael. Today we're talking with Sherry about rainbow babies and living on after the loss of a child. One of her survival strategies has been a clear sense of volunteerism. So, Sherry, let me ask you this. A lot of bereaved CHD parents leave the CHD community shortly after their child's death. How did working with the community help you to heal? Well, I, I think that even though it's a natural inclination to withdraw from the CHD community, I think um, being a part of it sort of helped me be part of the solution, you know, there was there was no real solution to my immediate issue of losing my son, but I just couldn't leave it alone that there aren't cures available or there aren't ways to prevent CHDs. And um, so doing everything I could to uh, be a part of you know, drawing attention to the fact that we need research and we need, you know, people who are um, passionate about finding causes and treatments for people with congenital heart defects uh, just made me feel like I could do something positive and bring light out of darkness, if you want to look at it that way. I definitely do see it that way. And I guess along the same lines, you're not only guest here in our pilot season, but you're also the assistant producer, which is another thing that you're doing, another volunteer thing that you're doing. Can you tell our listeners how you got involved with this podcast, specifically us? Initially, I'd been a guest on Heart to Heart with Anna, and I've known Anna for many years now, and um, she 
thought perhaps I would be interested in working with her. I'd been talking with her about writing and collaborating on things. And she mm-hmm. came to me with um, the idea of this program and wanted to know if I wanted to use my writing skills in script writing and also helping her to search for guests and, you know, other ways of, of helping with the program. And it for, for me was a absolute yes, because I, anything I can do to, to help people who are going through similar things to what I've been through. I find that very interesting. And what is it that you do? I'm going to say in real life that is related to this in terms of writing and other things. Uh, in, in real life, well, yeah. honestly, um, I haven't had another arena to to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not really some. I mean, I'm spending most of my time raising my other children, mm-hmm. and so when I have time to devote to this, I feel like I'm kind of making space for Thomas in my heart. Oh, that's nice. Your volunteerism, I and mean, we talked about this at the beginning of the program, you work on CHD Awareness Day in, every year in, in February in Boston. What are the, what are the, what's involved with that, and how do you connect with other families doing that? Well, initially, um, I was kind of surprised at how I got involved in that because I was really uh, um, part of a, a listserv where people would talk and connect and uh sort of are helping each other deal with uh, grieving issues and uh, the topic of raising awareness came up and um, there were groups like Little Hearts and Mm -hmm. uh, the Congenital Heart Information Network Mm -hmm. various various, uh, groups that were talking about raising awareness and I was going to initially just be part of that and I was going to um, bake a cake or something like I can't remember exactly, but I was going to bake a cake and bring it to Children's Hospital to say thank you to the staff. I think that's what it was. And then people started asking me, well, what else, what could they do? Um, and I was a little surprised that they were asking me because I felt like completely lost, but I started making suggestions to them to what they could do. And uh, we started uh, discussing uh, raising awareness uh, in the immediate community and um, the idea of a proclamation came up. I remember the the first proclamation. I remember when it got started and I think we were probably on the same listserv at the time. Sherry, what do you think others who've lost a child might want to hear or know from us? What can we tell them? How can we help them specifically and what have you got for them from, from working on this program? Well, I think it's important that they know that they're not alone and that uh, there are many ways they can uh, be a part of what we're doing. They can, you know, be listeners. They can let Anna Jaworski know that uh, they want to be guests um, and it'll help them to uh, identify uh, what's important to them about what process they're going through. I think it's really important. I think people need to air, to let out what they're thinking, and they need to know that what they're thinking isn't wrong or scary, and that they're not inventing the wheel on this. This is not the first time it's happened, and they can benefit from sharing with the rest of us. Tell me a little bit more about CHD awareness and, and how that's been helpful to you, and how others can join in with that. Well, one of the uh, one of the ways it's been really important is it 
keeps the memory of Thomas alive mm-hmm. um, and makes me feel that I'm bringing some light out of the darkness because sometimes when I'm feeling uh, very particularly grief stricken, mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to feel um, that there's any positive. But by contributing to raising awareness mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, encouraging people to speak about their grief, um, letting people know that what they're thinking is not weird or even if it is weird, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think the public speaking that I've done and have encouraged others to do uh, helps to sort of bind the community together more. And the um, podcast I think that we're doing is a big uh, help to reaching out to people who are maybe feeling completely alone because some some people don't even have the support of their immediate family because uh, it's it's uh, tough sometimes to talk about your grief. I understand that I do. I think what you said was very interesting though. Looking for a positive, turning a negative into a plus. And there are a lot of things that you can do for that. And some of it has to do with, um, you know, just remembering somebody making a small film, which is now more and more easily done at home, or getting together once a year with family and friends and talking about your, your, your loss. I, I think that's very positive. The last thing I want to ask you about is people who are deciding or not deciding to have a rainbow baby. And, I, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on that decision process well, for me, Thomas was my firstborn, and um, I hadn't been more joyful ever than the time that I gave birth to him. Because when I gave birth, initially, we didn't know he had a problem. Um, and contemplating going through the rest of my life without experiencing that again, I just felt I that would be too sad. Um, so... You know, for us, having more children uh, did a lot to to buoy my spirit and mm-hmm. make me feel as though um, I could have positive things in my life. Um, so for me, having more children was a, almost a must. Um, I I was scared. I was concerned about what um, might be going to happen again but I had to take the risk so um, for me for me it was about you know chance uh, taking the chance to open my heart up again um, well, that, that's beautifully said and, and I think the only thing I would say to that is that you faced that after your first child and then there were the questions of ability and validation and I think that's Totally, totally important. Liel was our third child, and we actually made the decision that we were going to have another child, and we lost that one too. I'm so sorry. Uh, well, that's okay. I mean, it was it was a miscarriage, and we'd had several before we had our first child, so we were we were sort of used to that. But um, and then after that, we decided, okay, we have our children, and we're okay, and we're done, and we're very, very proud of our children, and they've grown up to become marvelous, wonderful adults. So I, I think that that I see what you're saying, and I think there's two ends to that. And it's really critically important and different if you've had children before or after. 
And uh, having said all that, I just want to thank you again for joining the program and for opening up and sharing your innermost thoughts because I know that's the most difficult thing there is, but it's the best way that we know of to help other people. And I hope people are listening and I hope people are, are gaining from this. And if they have anything else they want to say, that them please make contact with us and we'll be happy to talk more about that. That concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Michael. Please tune in every week on Thursday at noon Eastern to listen to our program for the first half hour and then to talk with us for the next half hour so we can hear your stories and answer your questions. Please find us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithmichael.com. And remember, it's okay to breathe again. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you have gained strength from listening to our program. Heart to Heart with Michael can be heard every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next time when we'll share more stories. If you would like to continue today's discussion, please join us right after the program in the Hug Podcast chat room on Pal Talk. 